Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And that's the, the, those verses I want to speak on just for a few minutes with you here today. It was the end of term. The children had practiced for weeks and weeks. Finally, the big day came and it was time to do the school nativity play. Lots of dressing gowns came out of the closet. Lots of tea towels were hung over heads. They had angels, wise men, donkeys, cows, a manger, a little baby. And the whole play was going well. And the teacher who'd been prepping these kids for weeks was pleased with how it was going until finally Joseph went near the crib and he he had complete stage fright and forgot his lines. And he was just standing there in the silence looking at this baby Jesus. And everybody was feeling tense. And the teacher was, was saying, just say your lines. And he was just kind of going. And she said, just say, just say something. Just say something. So he blurted out in his broad Yorkshire accent, E, doesn't he look like his dad? <laughs> now, was that Yorkshire boy right or wrong? Did Jesus look just like his dad? The answer is yes, he was right and wrong. He was wrong in the sense that Jesus of Nazareth looked nothing like Joseph bar David, the carpenter who was pledged to be married to Mary. You could stare at the baby Jesus all day long and not discern any of Joseph's features. Nobody ever said, he's got your nose. That's because Joseph was not Jesus' dad. The Bible claims that Jesus did not have a human father. He was a completely unique person. His conception was supernatural. Now, he may not have looked like Joseph, but he did look like you. In in that he was a proper human, a real person. But with a big difference, he was God in the flesh. Now, I realize, just stay with me, I realize that for some of you, I'm already heading into la-la land with the fairies. You think I'm already crazy and I've nearly lost you. Just stay with me for a moment. Because for you, the whole idea of God is becoming a problem. You look at the damage and the conflict caused by religion in this world and it makes you deeply sceptical. You look at the hate and the hypocrisy of followers of God. You see scandals in the church that then get covered up. You see suffering and global poverty. And to you, all of that just doesn't add up to the existence of a supreme being who loves the world, does it? Am I right? A friend said to me recently, the words God and logic don't belong in the same sentence. Maybe, just maybe, it's okay for kids, but even that you're not too sure about. You're beginning to suspect the world might be a better place if we dropped the idea of God altogether. Well, now, if if that's you, I know I can't persuade you this morning. I know I can't change your mind. But I do want to say... Thanks for being here. We're glad you came to be with us. And I want to say, will you give me 12 minutes? Will you just give me 12 minutes to paint a picture of what God is really like? You may choose to reject it, and that's fine. That's your choice. But I'd rather you rejected the real thing than a caricature. So back to our question. Did Jesus look just like his dad? That Yorkshire lad was dead wrong. Jesus looked nothing like Joseph bar David. But actually, the Yorkshire lad was also dead right. Jesus of Nazareth did look like his heavenly father. He looked just like him because he 
looked like God. The Bible says that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. He was the exact representation of his being. So if you've ever wondered what God looks like, you can know by studying Jesus. God has entered the building. Jesus Christ is both fully human and fully God. So what is he like? Well, three things come out of those, that announcement that the angel made. The first one is that there's good news of great joy. Secondly, there's a saviour born to you. And thirdly, he's for all the people. Good news of great joy, a saviour born to you and for all the people. And those three things give us a picture of what God is really like. So firstly, good news of great joy. When was the last time you heard some news that made your face light up? It's a girl. We'd like to offer you the job. Your bonus this year will be £300,000. You've got an A star. Your bum does not look big in that. Good news. We love it. And here's something we learn about God here. God loves to give good news. He loves to give joy. And he sends good news in Jesus that will cause joy. Now, this actually is the complete opposite of what most people really think about God in their heart of hearts. Most of us secretly believe that God is a killjoy. God and joy do not belong on the same page. Christopher Hitchens said, I think it would be rather awful if it was true that there was a God. If there was a permanent, total, round-the-clock, divine supervision and invigilation of everything you did, you would never have a waking or sleeping moment when you weren't being watched and controlled and supervised by some celestial entity. From the moment of your conception to the moment of your death, it would be like living in North Korea. There's no joy in that vision of God. And you know, even people who believe in God don't often think he causes joy. A few years ago, I went to northern Spain with some friends. We visited the cathedral in Santiago, absolutely stunning cathedral. And my friends were Roman Catholics, and they went in and they performed various religious uh, duties, and they, uh, they bowed and kneeled and prayed and confessed. And afterwards, we went out for lunch, and we had some cold beers and some Iberian ham in the Spanish sunshine. And one man breathed a big sigh of relief, and he said, that was a bit intense in there. You see, even though they were believers, there was no joy in it. In the cathedral, there was only confession and contrition. You get joy over lunch afterwards, away from God. But listen to the angel again. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. The first thing we learn that God, about God is he wants to give joy. And the life of Jesus Christ bore this out every day. Everywhere Jesus went, he brought joy. Faces lit up, people smiled and laughed. One of his favorite phrases was, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. People loved to be with him, especially people whose lives were messed up. Broken people, the poor, little children, the socially excluded. They loved being around Jesus, and he loved being around them. C.S. Lewis was a brilliant scholar and a convinced atheist. In 1929, he took a walk in Oxford with one of his friends, who you might know his name, J.R.R. Tolkien, author of Lord of the Rings. And they talked late into the night. In fact, they talked until three in the morning. They talked about their fascination with myths. And Lewis said it was sad to think that all the great myths and stories of courage and beauty and, and virtue 
were all untrue and that they were ultimately worthless, even though they were breathed through silver. And Tolkien replied strongly, no, myths are not lies. Myths contain great truths. They point to spiritual realities that our hearts are craving for. And Lewis later on came to agree with him. He wrote these words. Have you ever stood before some landscape which seems to embody what you've been looking for all your life? Even in your hobbies, has there not always been some secret attraction which others are curiously ignorant of? Something always on the verge of breaking through. The smell of cut wood in the workshop or the clap-clap of water against the boat's side. You have never had it. All the things that have ever deeply possessed your soul were hints of it. Tantalizing glimpses, promises never quite fulfilled, echoes that died away just as they caught your ear. But if it should really become manifest, if there ever came an echo that did not die away, but swelled into the sound itself, you would know it. Beyond all possibility of doubt, you would say, here at last is the thing I was made for. A yearning for joy. And that year, Lewis knelt in his room and prayed to God and asked to become a Christian. And he said, I was the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. He didn't want to come, but God drew his heart. Now, do you feel that yearning? Yearning for joy. The good news of great joy is this, that joy is possible. Its ultimate source is God. Jesus Christ has brought it within your reach. And he does it because he's the saviour born to you. He's the saviour born to you. What is this good news of which the angel speaks? A saviour has been born to you. And some of you are thinking, you know what? I wasn't aware I needed saving, but thanks very much anyway. But are you so sure that you don't need saving? David Foster Wallace was an award-winning writer, novelist, professor of English. He gave an address at a college in America in 2005, and he said, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God to worship is that pretty much everything else we worship will eat us alive. If you worship money and things, if they're where you're going to tap real meaning into life, then you will never have enough. You'll never feel you have enough. If you worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, and you'll end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as clever, and you'll end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the thing about these forms of worship is that they're unconscious. They're our default settings. Three years later, David Foster Wallace hanged himself on the patio. He never really got beyond the problems that he'd identified. See, according to the Bible, we all need saving. We need saving from all the God substitutes that eat us alive, and we need saving from ourselves. But who can save us? According to the Bible, only one person can do it, the Saviour, Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that the ultimate source of all our problems is that we're on the wrong side of God. We're alienated from God. And if you go far enough upstream, 
in your own heart, you'll find that the source of your problems is that you're not right with your maker, who is the source of life. So you're dying on the inside. And Jesus, the saviour, has come to deal with that problem. He's come to find the lost and bring them home. He's come to bind up the brokenhearted. He's come to heal the sick. And most of all, he's come to forgive sinners who will admit that they're wrong. Back to our picture. Does Jesus look just like his dad? He brings good news that causes joy. He's a saviour born to us. And finally, this message of good news is for all the people. It's for all the people. This means that the good news is not a religion tied to certain ethnic groups. It's not a European religion or an African religion or an Asian religion. It's for everybody. This religion is not tied to certain social groups. It's not just for the poor or for the middle class or for the upper class. It's for everybody. It's not just for kids. Not just for the elderly. It's for everyone. It's for the educated and the uneducated. And that means this message, this good news, is for you. It's your news. So let me ask, what are you going to do with it? Do you want to reach out for a deeper joy than you can get with two weeks off work, a turkey, and a bit too much wine? Do you realize the things that you need saving from? What are you going to do with the news that causes great joy, that a saviour has been born to you? Now notice what the shepherds did. They said, let's go. Let's find out. They hurried off, and then they spread the word. Their lives were changed forever. I think this is amazing. You know, these shepherds were a strange choice of uh, people to make this announcement. In that culture, shepherds were rough men who lived on the outside of society. They slept rough. They lived out in the fields. They probably smelled bad. They were unshaven, unkempt. They may have had fleas. They weren't part of a polite society. Their testimony was inadmissible in court. They're not that important. They're not the kind of smooth guys that the BBC would choose to make a special broadcast announcement. But God chooses them to make his big announcement. God chooses them, and they hear the news through angels. Now, I'd like to hear the news through an angel, but I didn't get one. And I don't think you will either. We don't get an angel. We get a shepherd. An ordinary person with lots of flaws, but someone whose life has undeniably changed. That's probably the person that you're going to hear the good news through. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's your partner. Someone, just an ordinary person with lots of flaws, but their life has undeniably changed now that they've embraced the good news about Jesus. Have you ever wondered why knowing Jesus Christ has changed them. It's because he's the saviour. They've heard this good news. It's given them joy that a saviour has been born to them for all people. Jesus is just like his dad. He shows us what God is like and he opens the way for our lives to be made whole again. So, will you think again about Jesus this Christmas? And let me wish you a very Merry Christmas. Thank you.